Good evening, all shores. So glad that you are here with us for Good Friday. And uh, I just want to take a moment and pray for us as we enter into worship together. I want to invite you, if you're here with us in person, to stand and join us. We're going to just open in a couple of songs of worship tonight. And really, my prayer for us is that in this night, you know, this is something that comes every year, but I'm praying that this is not a regular engagement. And what I mean by that is something that's overly familiar for you, but I'm praying that God would meet you in this time that we have together and reveal to you the depth of his love for you as his son or daughter. And that all of us would just experience in a new way the love of Christ and be open to the sacrifice that he gave that first Good Friday. So let me pray for us now. God, will you be with us as we worship together, Lord? Center our hearts on what you have for us. Oh, King of kings, Lord of lords, we invite your spirit to come and do what he wants to in this place. Be with us now as we worship together. Amen. Souls of all who 
Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are and where you before the cross, I'm just reminded of those that stood and watched 
on that original Friday. Watch their hopes and their dreams dashed. There are some who are here watching or who are here present tonight who that's how they feel. They've entered into that struggle and that strife, that grief. And yet, Lord, their greatest need to be met was being met right in that moment for what you did on the cross. So I pray tonight, Lord, that as we remember, as we enter in, as we experience just a taste tonight of what you've done for us on the cross, that, Lord, our needs would be met, our greatest need for forgiveness, for grace, for love. So, Lord, if there are those who are here tonight who are desperate for those things, God, would you meet them even now? And God, would you give us hope for tomorrow, knowing that Good Friday is not the end of the story, but, Lord, we want to enter into it knowing what you fully did for us out of your great love. So meet with us here tonight, we pray, and we ask this in the name and in the power of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to welcome you on this uh, Good Friday. Uh, If you are a guest with us here tonight, we are so thankful that you took the time tonight to to join us. Maybe your friend invited you. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, We have what we call a connection card. It's available online for those of you who are watching. It's Available. There's a sticker with a QR code on the seat backs, and uh, you can just take out your phone. It'll take you to our connection card. And maybe just let us know a little bit about yourself. We've got a gift for you. We'd love to give to you, but uh, maybe you've got a need. Maybe the reason you're here tonight is because you've got questions, or maybe you just uh, have a prayer request. Maybe recently you've made a decision, a spiritual decision to follow Christ, and you want us to know because we want to come alongside of you and help you with that journey that you are on. So whatever your need might be, we just hope that you'll take the time to fill out that connection card. Now, if you've been with us and you're a part of All Shores, maybe you've been a part of our series over Lent leading into Easter. Ash Wednesday, we began the series on the seven words of Jesus the statements that Jesus made while he was on the cross. And tonight we close out with the last statement. But because it's Good Friday, it it can be a difficult night. The the church celebrates uh, Easter every single Sunday. You know that, right? Because Jesus rose on a Sunday. So every Sunday we, we are celebrating again the resurrection of Jesus. But this is different. This is a night that we focus on the death of Jesus, his struggle his pain, his suffering. And in our culture, in our North American culture, we do whatever we can to avoid those things. We numb ourselves by distracting ourselves with entertainment or medication or addictions or purchases or whatever that might be. But for the follower of Christ, this is a night that we enter in willingly. We are invited into the story of the passion of Jesus. We enter into that suffering to discover that God has something more for us. Forgiveness, freedom, peace, new life, the promise of eternal life. If you came here tonight, maybe you're watching from the convenience of your own home, but there's a little bit of you that's uncomfortable with all of this. 
That's okay. You're not alone. It is supposed to feel that way. But we embrace the passion, the message of Jesus, his life and his death. And our prayer is that God would meet you in this tonight, that his spirit would comfort you, his presence would be with us, and that you would have hope. And so as a part of the journey tonight, we're going to revisit those words of Jesus on the cross. And so I want you to listen as you enter in, as we read scripture and worship tonight. I want you to listen to these words of Jesus because they're for you. Listen to these words. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But the man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. We're going into a song of reflection in response to the readings we just heard. You may sit or stand. Feel free to respond as you like. Your body was broken, your love poured out. You bled and you died for me there on the cross. You breathed your last as you were crucified. You gave it all for me. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Hallelujah, King forever. We thank you for the cross.
Listen as we continue to read words of scripture. From noon until about three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. 
About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked it with a sponge in it and put the sponge in a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had finished the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was a few years into uh, my ministry that I was asked to uh, visit a gentleman in the hospital. Uh, his wife had asked me to go, and uh, they were attending the church that I was serving at. And so I took one of his friends, who's part of a small group with him, and so we went uh, to Detroit to the hospital to, to visit because he was nearing death. And we all knew that. And I remember as, the, as a young man just in my early 20s, standing in the room, and I began to, to ask questions and just really kind of make sure, like, where are you at right now? And, uh, you know, 
Are, are you ready? And this was a man who had attended our church. His, his wife was very faithful. I didn't know a whole lot about him. But I was taken aback after I asked some questions because what came out was not expected. In the following minutes, which seemed like a longer period of time, he began to curse at God, use profanity and anger at his suffering, his unwillingness to pass from this life to the next. Didn't really know a whole lot of what to say. I was stunned. I was shaken by what I heard. And it was the first, but unfortunately not the last time that I've been in that setting where there are people in the end who are just angry at what they're facing. And I've realized that some people, and some of what he described was this, that some people believe that God is kind of like a genie. That if you follow him, that if you give him your life, that he is going to just change everything and make it all good. That you get your wishes, that all you receive are blessings in your life, and that all the suffering and the difficulty goes away. And yet, those who have that thinking, those who have that approach to God, are missing a great deal of portion of the Gospels, the story that we are given of Jesus. You see, more is recorded about the death and the suffering than what's recorded about Jesus' birth and much of his life. As a matter of fact, the Gospel of John, half of the Gospel of John is dedicated to the last week and the passion of Jesus. Why is that? There's something in the death of Jesus that reveals why he came and it reveals how he lived that we can better understand him, better know who he is. We've gone through the words on the cross and tonight we've heard six of those phrases as we enter into the last one. I was reminded that history has recorded a lot of last words of individuals, some great men and women over the years. When Groucho Marx, many of you know who he was, when he was dying, he quipped, this is no way to live. And then he died. Wilson uh, Meisner, who is best known as a successful playwright, uh, he's known for the line, be nice to people on the way up because you'll meet some of the same people on the way down. But when he was on his deathbed, a priest came to visit, and the priest told him or said to him, I'm sure you would like to talk with me. And Meisner said, why should I talk to you? I've just been talking to your boss. <laughs> and then he died. Sir Winston Churchill's last words were, are recorded. He said simply, I'm bored with it all. And then he passed. There is something about the way we live or the way we leave, I should say. There's something about the way we leave this world that I think reveals how we live in this world. Let me say that again. The way we leave reveals the way that we live. I want you to think of that tonight. The Apostle Paul, in his last words, if you will, that he described how he was going to leave 
He said in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. There was a confidence that Paul had in leaving because his life, the way that he lived, was dedicated and surrendered to God. And for him, that allowed him to leave differently. John Wesley, the co-founder of the Methodist movement, if you will, was asked one time if he knew uh, what he would do if he knew that today was the, his last day on earth. And here's what Wesley said. He replied, at four o'clock, I would have some tea. At six, I would visit Mrs. Brown in the hospital. Then at 7.30, I would conduct a midweek prayer service. And at 10, I would go to bed and wake up in glory. See, Wesley had a peace about leaving because his daily life, his routine was surrendered to Jesus. He was living for him. It was a commitment that he was living for Jesus. And because of that, it gave him confidence in the way that he would leave. When Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, was asked what he would do uh, if he knew that today was the day that Jesus would return, he simply said, I would go plant a tree. Because he knew, again, that each day was a building of your faith that would allow you to enter into the next world unafraid. Every day is just an anticipation, a readiness to leave because of the way that he lived. Luke 23, Luke records for us Jesus' last words before he died on the cross. And in Luke 23, these are the words that Luke records for us. He says, it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining. For those who might have some uh, issues with the gospels and their authenticity, let me just say that historians, Jewish historians and writers and Greek both, have stories that describe this darkness that came over the land. Josephus, who is a Jewish writer, collaborates these events of the crucifixion and describes the darkness and the earthquake that Matthew mentions in his gospel. Phlegon, a Greek historian, described an eclipse followed by an earthquake. These are his words. The greatest eclipse of the sun, he said. It became night in the sixth hour of the day so that the stars appeared in the heavens. Now there was something powerful and unique that was happening on the cross. And this, this story of the darkness and the darkness that came over the land, it was more than just something that was just natural. There was something mystical. There was something spiritual that was happening here. For Jesus' birth and his entrance into the world is described as the light coming into the world. A light to the Gentiles, a light for everyone. And in this moment, the light is snuffed out. Luke says, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, the tabernacle and in the temple, there was a place where the presence of God was. It was called the Holy of Holies, and no one was allowed in there except for the high priest. 
who if he atoned for all of his sins and was completely cleared of his sins and was made right before God, he could enter into one time a year into the presence of God and he experienced that, but no one else was allowed in because God is so holy. This curtain which separated the presence of God and the rest of the world It was about two to three and a half inches thick. There's some argument as to how thick it was, but it certainly wasn't something that was just naturally ripped. And here, both naturally, mystically, powerfully, this curtain is torn in two. The curtain that separated God's presence with the rest of the world where only those who are forgiven could experience that relationship with God. And at Jesus' death, Through his death, all are forgiven who believe in Jesus, and that curtain is torn, and God's presence enters into our world. But it is Jesus' last words that reveal so much of who he was and how he lived. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we had said this, he breathed his last. Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. Now, there's a couple of times the words that Jesus used on the cross that are quotes from the Psalms. This is a quote from a Psalm of David, Psalm 31. And in Psalm 31, David said this, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. David, the psalmist here, is crying out to God to rescue, to deliver, to save. And God is described as a rock of refuge, a strong fortress, a faithful God. And when Jesus quotes on the cross this phrase, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, it's not this one-time prophetical statement that was never said before. You see, the psalmist, this was sung on a regular basis. This was a way of turning to God on a regular basis for those who are struggling, for those who are suffering, for those who are in pain. It was to return yet again, to cry out to God to be a rock of refuge, a strong fortress, because he is a faithful God. It is an ongoing behavior of committing yourself and your spirit, all of who you are, committing yourself to God. Jesus' words on the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit, may have been his last, but they were not the first time that Jesus had used this phrase. It was not the first time that Jesus had committed himself to the will of the Father. You see, as a teenager, Jesus was left behind in Jerusalem by Mary and Joseph, When they return to find him three days later, uh, Luke tells us this account. They go into the temple courts, and there he is talking to the teachers of the law. And Mary comes to him and says, why are you treating us this way? Why did you leave? Why did you stay behind? And Jesus' words as a teenager are, don't you know I had to be in my father's house? 
Even at a young age, he was committed to following the will of his father, not just others, not just what he wanted to do, but surrendering himself, committing himself to the way of God. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew 4, three times he turns down the offers of the devil by committing himself to the will of his father. Once after performing miracles in the Gospel of John, we're told that the people wanted to make him king, and Jesus sneaks away because he knows that is not what God wants him to do. He is committed, surrendered to the will of the Father. When the disciples find him in Mark chapter 1, he's performed miracles, and they tell him, everybody's looking for you. Come on back to the village and Jesus says, no, let's go someplace else because that's why I've come. There's more that God the Father is calling me to do. Over and over again, Jesus is committed. The disciples try to keep Jesus from going to Jerusalem where he says he is going to die. And Peter says, no, Lord, that'll never happen. And Jesus says, behind me, Satan. He rebukes him. Peter, this is not just what you want. This is about what the Father wants. I'm going to Jerusalem. On the night of his arrest, Jesus prayed in the garden that God would take this suffering from him, but his statement there in the garden is, but not my will, but yours be done. See, these last words of Jesus he had stated before, he had committed himself, surrendered himself, committed himself into the hands of the Father throughout his lifetime. And because he had lived that way, it gave notice and revealed how he would leave. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. You see, what Jesus did for us on on the cross was to make a way for us to be forgiven for our sins, to open the way for us to know the Father as he did. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit now, God's spirit that dwells in each follower of Jesus, everyone who has committed themselves to following Jesus Christ. And that same spirit gives us the nudge, gives us the power to surrender and to commit ourselves into the Father's hands each and every day. You see, the way we leave reveals how we live. And the question tonight is, how are we living? How do you and I face suffering and grief and struggle? Do we find ourselves wrestling against God, being angry at him because it's not turning out our way? Or have we lived in such a way that it is a pattern for us to surrender to cry out to God and to depend on him and his presence and his power to be there with us even in our suffering? Are we living a daily commitment to God and his will? Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Say it with me. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. You see, this should not just be how we leave. This isn't just the end. This is how we should live. Every day committed and surrendered in the midst of whatever God has for us because it's his will that is so much greater than ours. Two weeks ago, I spent time talking with Ken Ernie. Many of you know Ken as a member of our congregation. Ken was diagnosed with ALS uh, 
a couple of years ago now. And it has not been easy for he and his wife. And every day is a new challenge. And he knows that there is yet more to come, more struggle. He told me a book that he recently finished. And the title of the book is The Gun Lap, Finishing Your Race with Grace. And as a former athletic director, it seemed relevant to hear him tell me this story. But there was something that I didn't know. He said, you see, in a long-distance run, when the lead runner begins the last lap, the starter pistol is shot for the second time, letting everyone know that the end is near. And then he told me that he is spending time with his family. He's recording for them and for others stories of encouragement, faith that will be told after he is gone. And even in his suffering, he told me the many blessings, the gratitude for what God has done in his life. And each day, Ken surrenders and commits himself into the hands of the Father. The way we leave reveals how we live. If you are facing difficulty right now, the best decision you can make is to make it a point to surrender yourself, commit yourself into the hands of the Father. He is the rock and a refuge, a strong fortress. He is a faithful God. You can count on him. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've avoided surrendering. You, you've lived life the way that you've wanted to, but you found it hasn't worked. You're empty. You're in pain. You're lost. You're hurting. You're fearful. But you're not alone. Jesus has made a way for God to be with us. That curtain has been torn in two. The sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross was to make a way that we might know the Father and we might know forgiveness and grace. Jesus is our example that we can live and we can leave entrusting ourselves to a faithful God who is that strong fortress. If you've never prayed a prayer of surrender before, if you've never asked Christ to come in and to be a part of your life, what a great time to begin tonight. And I'm just gonna say these words. Maybe this could be your prayer tonight. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God who died for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. I open up my heart and my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. Lead me in your righteousness. Let me know that I am a child of God in this life and in the next. You see, it's a simple prayer of committing yourself into the hands of the Father through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ on the cross. The scriptures tell us that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And if you prayed that for the very first time tonight, oh, please let us know. Find someone to share that you made a decision tonight that many of us have made in the past. You see, because there are many of us who have prayed that prayer at one time in our life and we committed ourselves into the hands of the Father, but it was not just a one-time decision. It's a daily decision to commit ourselves to the Lord and to his will. 
My prayer for those of us who have been followers of Christ is that we would lean into that each and every day, that we would commit ourselves to his will and not our own, and watch the amazing things God can do. John Wesley, who I mentioned earlier, had a covenant prayer that he prayed, and I recently added it to my daily prayers during Lent. And each day I pray through this prayer of surrender, and as a follower of Jesus, it has helped me to commit each day to the Father. And so I'm going to read through this prayer. I'm going to show it on the screen, but my prayer is that this would be an ongoing prayer for all of us as we commit ourselves to following him. Wesley said, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing or put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside by thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. The way we leave reveals how we lived. And may we, as the people of God, live as surrendered and committed people to the will of the Father. Lord, as we close out tonight, we are grateful for what you have done for us on the cross. And yet your last words were not the first time you said them because your life revealed to us the way that you lived and the example of how we should live and I pray tonight, Lord, that we would indeed surrender each and every day and we would surrender our will, our spirit, who we are to the one who knows what to do with our lives. May we be led more by you than by ourselves, by our culture, by others. That, Lord, we would be just as confident as Paul as Wesley, as Luther, as Jesus, when it comes to our time of leaving. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as you came in tonight, you may have received, I hope you received, uh, the cup and the wafer. And we're going to take communion in just a moment. But let me just say, Luke describes that curtain being torn in two. There is the presence of God in our world. And there are times when we feel like we are not worthy. Maybe we shouldn't be receiving the gift that God has given to us, but in the Wesleyan Church, you don't have to be a member of our congregation. This could be your first time in our church, or any church for that matter. But we believe that God's grace and God's love is for each and every one of us. And that as we receive these elements, we receive them by faith. We receive God's love and forgiveness and grace.
that his presence is in this. And so I wanna invite you, even if it's your first time taking communion, to partake together with us by faith and receive what God has for you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and gave thanks, and then he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. His body in place of ours. His life in place of ours. Our sin on him. He took that upon himself for you. Let us take and eat and remember. And then taking the cup, he said, this is a blood of a new covenant. Not the blood of a lamb at Passover, symbolizing the, the blood that went over the doorway so that the angel of death would pass over. But Jesus said, oh, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. That God himself would pass over your sins, that you would understand forgiveness, that you would know that sweetness because of what he has done for you. Let us take and drink in remembrance. God, we ask your blessing upon these elements and our time together that we would be made new yet again. That we would live in the confidence that knowing that we are children of God, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done for us on the cross. Lord, help us through your spirit to live into that, to live into that confidence knowing who we are in Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. Why don't you stand? We're gonna close out with some worship together.
Jesus died, my soul to save, my lips shall still That is a truth that is <laughs> not something that we make up. It's not something the church invented. It is because of God and what he has done for us. And I do pray that we would live into that, into that confidence, knowing what it is that he has done for us. We look forward to this Sunday. I hope that you'll come back for Easter. We're going to have a great time of celebration. But let me just say, if you've made a decision recently, it might not be tonight, but you're making a movement to, to follow Christ. You've got questions, or maybe tonight you made a decision to follow him. We want to know. Let, let somebody here know. Fill out a connection card, but just let us know because we want to celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. Come back on Sunday morning and celebrate with us. I'm going to close this with a benediction. If you'll open up your hands, let me pray this over us. By his stripes, you are healed. And by his wounds, you are made whole. Go in the name of Jesus Christ and live in the salvation made possible by the goodness of this Friday. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.